So we're going to listen to God's word now. It's from Genesis 43, the 43rd chapter of Genesis, and we're going to just read from verse 1. Genesis 43, reading at verse 1. Genesis 43 and the first verse. And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down, For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me, as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? And they said, The man asked us straightly of our state, and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have ye another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words. Could we certainly know uh, that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. And I will be surety for him, of my hand shalt thou require him, if I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, and let me bear the blame forever. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned this second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, his spices and myrrh and nuts and almonds. And take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure, it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again unto the man, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother, and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. We'll end the reading there at the verse 14 of this chapter, knowing that God will add his blessing to the public reading of his own precious word. The remarkable story of Joseph continues to fascinate and to intrigue uh, the reader of the Holy Scriptures. Presented as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
This 11th son of Jacob personifies a life that was uh, tightly embroidered with threads that were a contrasting mixture of dark and bright colours. I am confident this Lord's Day morning that all in this service have a comprehensive understanding of a storyline that embraces every kind of emotion that is known unto man. Jealousy, envy, hatred, sorrow, lying, deception, humility, love and forgiveness find expression within the fabric of a family that was going to be used by God to mould the destiny of an entire nation. Having the opportunity to consider this pivotal part of Israel's history from a time distance, we can observe how God displays his overall control of a situation, confirming to all of us present that all things work together for good to them that love God. This we can affirm when we have in our possession the conclusion of Joseph's life, a life that still to this day provides us with a mirror image of all that is mysterious about the heart of man, as well as the portrayal of God's matchless grace. To be the subject of unprovoked terror motivated by his brethren, to be targeted by essentially minded women, to suffer for things that he was not guilty of, to be elevated to the second in command in Potiphar's household, to watch his brethren bow down before him and still display God's grace in his life constitutes a timeless challenge to everyone who professes faith in our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. I must confess that one of the most amazing verses in the Bible to me is found towards the end of this captivating story, where Joseph said to his brethren, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones, and he comforted them, and spake kindly unto them. The amount of comfort that we can draw from this revelation it cannot be estimated in terms of its spiritual value. But it is an act of kindness that was instigated by Jacob that I want this day to draw your attention to. Here in Genesis 43, we are able to listen into a conversation between the father and the sons as they are constrained to go back to Egypt for the second time in order to buy a little food. But before the journey could be undertaken, certain matters had to be addressed, matters that generated a major degree of tension in the home. There was the request by the unidentified Joseph 
uh, to bring their youngest brother when returning to Egypt. As Simeon was retained in the land as a guarantor, and their aging father uh, was in a state of mental turmoil over the possible loss of Benjamin. Taking these issues into consideration, uh, Judah makes a commitment here uh, to his father uh, that was timely and also convincing. Send the lad with me. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt uh, thou require him. Jacob responded to Judah's commitment in a positive way, although there was a twinge of fatalism in his reaction. For he said, if I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. But to his credit, Jacob did not allow his feelings to paralyze his thoughts to such an extent that he neglected the need to send to the Egyptian governor a present. In verse 11 we read these words, Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, as spices and myrrh and nuts and almonds. Although I have read this account on many occasions, I freely acknowledge to you this morning that it's only in recent days that this text has impressed itself upon my own heart. And having been drawn to it, I began to prayerfully consider the spiritual significance of the items that made up this present. And to that end, I desire to share with you what the gracious Holy Spirit has given to me. I believe that we can appropriate the little balm to a healing application. Although balm is only mentioned six times in the Bible, it is clear it was one of the most sought-after commodities by trading merchants. Ezekiel records how balm was exported from Israel to the regions round about. However, it was Jeremiah who refers to its medicinal qualities. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? By focusing in upon its aid to the healing process, we can apply its relevancy to Jacob's circumstances, and by doing so, extend it to similar situations that confront God's people of every generation. It is clear that the Lord's servant was nursing many sores, both internally and externally. Physically, he struggled with disability as a direct result of his experience in the aftermath of his meeting with the Son of God at Peniel. And internally, it was the invisible and the immeasurable portions of his emotional sensitivities 
uh, that exposed him to hurtful and festering wounds. For years, his life had been dominated uh, with sorrow. A sorrow that had squeezed from his heart in many a sigh and many a tear. He had found it hard to come to terms with life without his beloved Joseph. As a parent, he must have relived the reported circumstances of his death in numerous times in his mind. And the merest thought of a son being ravished by a wild beast would have injected a fiery sense of agony through every fibre and through every sinew of his being, leaving him void of any comfort. In fact, he said, I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. If ever there was a dear man who needed healing for his sorrow, it was Jacob. And although he knew it not, when he was dispatching the present of Bam, the sorrow that had wounded him so deeply would soon be healed by a sweet and blessed reunion. The day would dawn when he would see Joseph again, and it would be much sooner than the patriarch anticipated. And that principle holds true for those of us who are sorrowing for loved ones who have gone to be with the Saviour. When I stand in this pulpit this morning, I expect to see loved ones who have been present with us before. I still expect to see their smile. I still expect to feel their warm handshake. But their seats are empty. But thankfully, as Jacob would soon be reunited with Joseph, we too will soon be reunited with our loved ones. And this balm that was given uh, to his sons to present to Joseph was in many ways a symbolization of a healing that was soon to take place between father and son. Thank God for the balm of healing application. But there was not only the thought of healing from sorrow, but in Jacob's case, there was also the healing from strife. Jacob was not aware of the fact uh, that the strife between ten of his sons and Joseph was still an issue. In the past, he could not have ignored uh, the evidence of their hatred and their bitterness towards him. But when he received the bloodstained coat of many colours, he would have concluded uh, that Joseph died without his brethren being reconciled to him. Whether this was a factor in his memory or not, we cannot tell. But we most certainly do know that it was something that activated uh, the conscience of the ten. When they stood before the unidentified Joseph, 
they had to come away saying, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of the soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. They were still struggling with a guilty conscience over what they had done to Joseph. They had come to the conclusion that the price of strife was too high and that any expectation for a reconciliation had been suffocated under the passage of time. But with God, nothing is impossible. For although Joseph was an exceedingly rich man, he didn't need these presents that Jacob was sending. But when he saw that little bam, I believe he, he recognized it to be much more than an expression of appreciation, but he saw it as something that he could use in terms of healing the strife. And when you pick up the account, immediately after the present had been given to Joseph, we get a sense of how dramatically the atmosphere changed. Joseph concentrates upon Benjamin. He doesn't concentrate upon the guilty. Benjamin was innocent. He was not part of their conniving and of their practices and of their deceitful ways. And so whenever Joseph receives this present, he concentrates upon Benjamin and he takes his eyes away from the guilty. And in that there's a tremendous lesson. That very often we are prone to gravitate towards the guilty. Instead of focusing our eyes upon the innocent. And who is that innocent? That innocent is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And it's not easy, or perhaps we might say it's not difficult, for us to be so absorbed and to be so taken up with our own thought, our own view, our own idea, and to lose sight of him who is innocent. The lacerations that Joseph's brethren inflicted upon their own lives would have retained the poisonous pus of an unhealthy infection if the balm of reconciliation had not been applied. With the innocent applying it to the guilty. What a picture we read in Genesis 45. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And then we read, and after that, his brethren talked with him. The healing from sorrow. The healing from strife. But then there is the healing from self. I mention this in light of the fact that balm is a resin that comes from a tree. 
That's why there was balm in Israel. There was no food in Israel. Food was cultivated by man's effort. Blessed of God, of course, but cultivated by man. But the balm came from the tree. Does that not remind you immediately of another tree? Does that not remind us this Lord's Day morning of our need to come to the cross? Our need there to lay down ourself, to lay down our flesh, to lay down our self-reliance, our self-importance, our self-assessment. The brethren of Joseph had been bereft of grace and bankrupt of gentleness. That's what self does. And we should notice very carefully that it wasn't Joseph that went to his brethren. It was the brethren who were brought to Joseph. And that's the principle that God establishes in his word. Where he says, therefore will the Lord wait. That he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted. That he may have mercy upon you. Carry down the man a present. A little balm. But there's also a little honey. And if a little balm refers to a healing application, then a little honey speaks of a hopeful appreciation. The one thing that Jacob's sons needed was to experience a righteous spirit of victory. And honey in the Bible is linked to victory and triumph. The Word of God speaks of four individuals who ate honey. There was Samson, there was Jonathan, there was John the Baptist, and there was the Lord Jesus Christ. Of Samson, he took the honey from the carcass of the lion, reminding us that there is victory over the devil. Jonathan digested the honey from the end of his rod when he was weary in the battle against the Philistines and the lowest father had placed a curse upon anyone who would eat that day Jonathan experienced the triumph in a day of declension of John the Baptist eating honey it was at an hour of spiritual darkness And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he partook of the honey, it was after he had taken the sting out of death. It is victory over the death, over death. Victory over the devil, victory over declension, victory over darkness, and victory over death. Now all this applied to Joseph. Joseph had victory over the devil as is personified in Potiphar's wife, when she came to him day by day, wanting him to lie with her, to commit adultery with her. He had victory over his brethren 
in their day of declension. He had victory over the pit and over the prison in his darkest of hours. And thankfully he had victory over death in that his brethren would have slain him. But God preserved him. And so this little honey that Jacob, his father, was sending down was not only a healing application, but it was a hopeful application. Then we have spice and myrrh. That's a holy anointing. In that spice and myrrh were the main ingredients for the anointing oil. When it was used, it was a sign of a changed life. And little did Jacob know that when he said farewell to his eleven sons, uh, that before they would return, their lives would be changed forever. They would come back with a different message. They would come back different men. They would come back changed because... And Joseph revealing himself to them, the whole dynamic situation changed immediately for Jacob and his family. And can I say this very directly this morning? We need a change in our own hearts and a change in our own nation today. Sadly, we're living at a moment in history when things are negatively changing. The pendulum of morality is moving more and more into the zone that is characterized with darkness. And I venture to say that if things do not dramatically change, then young people, children of an early age today, uh, they will not be able to distinguish what is marriage and what is not marriage. It will just seem to be the same. What do we need? Men of academic power? Men of intellectual wisdom? No. We need men filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's what the spices and myrrh indicate. We need men and women who know the power of God upon their ministries as they teach their children, as they stand in their pulpit. the Billy Brays of this world, the W.P. Nicholsons of this world, men filled with the Spirit of God. Joseph undoubtedly was such a man, standing as he did against the evil of the situations that he faced. And we take to heart those words of Paul to the Ephesians. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. As a dear child of God, you need to, and I need to be, perpetually filled 
with God the Holy Spirit. A holy anointing. But finally, there is a heavenly announcement. The nuts and the almonds. The almond, of course, was used as a template for the bowls of the candlestick in the temple. And as such, it was the basis or the fountain to light the holy place. It pointed the way to the table of showbread and to the altar of incense. That table of showbread projects our thoughts to him who is the bread of life. And the altar is a reminder of our Saviour's intercessory prayers. And when, Joseph, when Jacob was sending his family to Egypt for bread, he sent them with this prayer. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man. And when they came before Joseph, he cast light upon the past 20 plus years. Jacob had been in darkness over those 20 odd years. He couldn't understand what was happening to him and to his family. And then when they came the second time, Joseph said these words, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Sometimes, as God's dear children, we pass through exceedingly dark and difficult periods in our lives. Sometimes we wonder why it should be that these set of circumstances should come our way. But I trust that you can see something here of encouragement. That God eventually, eventually, will cast his light upon the matter. For when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, since thou wast precious in my sight. My dear child of God, we sometimes sing the words of that hymn, Precious to me, precious is he. Jesus, my Saviour, is precious to me. And that's a wonderful hymn to sing. But I wonder, could I just reverse it and say to you on the authority of Scripture that you are more precious to him than he will ever be to you. You are more precious to him than he will ever be to you. He was with Joseph. 
And as Jacob sent down this little balm, this little honey, the spices and myrrh, the nuts and almond, he was sending down a present that symbolized a relevancy that was precious to this family. There's a dear preacher in Scotland in the 1960s in the north part of Scotland. And his wife died of a sudden illness. And in two weeks after her burial, three of his children were killed in a school bus accident. The next Sunday, this dear preacher struggled to get into his pulpit. And he preached in that glorious text, They that believe in me will not be ashamed. With mercy and with judgment, my web of time he wove, and aye the dews of sorrow were lustred with his love. I'll bless the hand that guided, I'll bless the heart that planned, where throned, when throned where glory dwelleth, in Emmanuel's land. I wonder today. Are you a child of God? Are you found in Christ? Have you believed in him? Have you accepted him? Last Tuesday we visited a dear old lady of 93 years of age. She runs a guest house between our mission station there in Cabanguria and the town Catali. I've been with her many times. She is not saved. And I said to her something that I believe the Lord put in my heart. I said, you know, Mrs. Barnley, you've been a very hospitable woman. Many people come to this guest house from all over the world. You've welcomed them, everyone. Yet the greatest guest that has ever come to this home, thus far you've not welcomed. I wonder today, would you welcome him? You're a very kind person in this meeting. Very generous person. but you've never accepted Christ. Oh, that today you would receive him. Don't make it complicated. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Send the man a little present a little honey, 
little balm, spice and myrrh, nuts and almonds. I trust the Lord has used his word to comfort your heart and to speak to you in spite of the limitations of the messenger. Let's unite our hearts together, please, as we pray. Could I just say, and I know that Mr. McLaughlin deeply appreciates the privilege of ministering to you. And I'd like to say if I could be of any help to you this morning. I'd be very honoured to be of some assistance to you. Thank you for your attendance. But even more, thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. 